Amen. Jesus. Whoa. Glory. Not every day you hear the good cheer. Hallelujah. Of some anointed Christian rap. It's like, whoa. How can it be? A sign and wonder. The Holy Ghost brings you good stuff every day when you're in the glory. The provision is partially financial, but it's the fullness of your soul satisfied on God in every direction, every day. In the glory. Key is the glory requires the sacrifice of the animal. So you ain't gonna have that experience until you give him your whole heart. If your heart is still in control by your brain, you're missing out on all the good things that God wants to add unto you. Ask Esau. God had provided for him an inheritance but he refused to receive the inheritance. He chose a carnal inheritance instead of a divine spiritual inheritance. That's what it symbolizes. And so he missed out on all the goodness that God wanted to pour out on him. It represents the soul giving itself an inheritance. Wide path of destruction. Many go down that path, giving themselves an inheritance, giving themselves rewards. There's self-rewards. You hear it? You should treat yourself. Isn't that annoying? Man, that's like nails on a chalkboard. Not only is it cheesy, it's demonic. We need to seek the kingdom and let God be our promoter. Problem is, is people get to a place in the sacrifice of their heart and they, they can't go any further. So the wide path is a path which means you'll walk down it. You'll continue to walk. You'll continue to grow in a direction depending on how you react to the things of God in this life. Everyone's walking. Every person on this planet is walking in a direction of spiritual things, mostly demonic, mostly idolatrous. Very few find the narrow path of Christ in them and walk inward. Most Christians don't find that path either. They're not walking inwardly, they're walking externally. You know what the Spirit said to me during the worship time before Joel's bar? Pastors worship demons. That's what the Spirit of God said. He said, most pastors are demon worshipers. Demon worshipers. It's serious, guys. You see them weep and gnash their teeth when you're God inside-minded. They hate my guts. They say, if you watch Joel's bar, you can't go to my church. I've heard that several hundred times. The reason is because you'll bring the standard of the throne of grace. You'll bring the river into that place. You'll actually begin to destroy their demon worship. When you are bewitched and worshiping an external Jesus that's tolerated in 
every building that calls itself Christian today, they tolerate the worship of demons. This is why God is going to drown natural Christianity, earthly buildings made by human hands Christianity. The main reason is because it's the worship of devils. It's true. The soul has become a house of every unclean thing, every foul and detestable bird, every creeping, crawling beast of the field, it is written. Which means the demonic dwells in religious souls, according to revelation of Jesus Christ. The demonic in the kingdom of hell in the days of Jesus' first coming, it was a little bit in Herod, it was a little bit in Caesar, but the mass majority of opposition to the living God that came to earth was in the religious people that ran the churches. Hello? You think it's any different today? Nope. It's not, and it's not that we're bitter because we've been wounded by Christianity. You know, they have these excuses, and it's like, brother, you need healing, and no. I don't. We need a flood. We need a flood upon demon worship that has come in the guise of Christianity. This is the big picture. Getting people into the new covenant. The new covenant and the old covenant is the Christian civil war. You know, there is no old covenant. The old covenant was given to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. It's an external worship of an external God that's no longer there. You're not worshiping. God ain't there. God moved. The veil is torn. God's not in the building anymore. God allowed that building to be completely destroyed in 70 AD. And he did not rebuild it because now he's excited and smiling and happy to live in his original building which is inside Adam and Eve's race. Oh, hallelujah. This is how the floods come, by a people awakening to Christ in them, inside their own spirit, discovering God in the spirit. And it requires the separation of soul from spirit. You know, circumcision of the heart, which is much later after salvation, like Egypt and the promised land and the exodus of Moses. It's a much later experience. And the circumcision of heart is the dividing asunder of soul from spirit. That is the continuous coming out of her, my people, as it is commanded of us. Come out of her, my people, means bring your mind out of your soul, out of the world. You can't do that by effort. You can't even do it by fasting. I've seen fat people fast and physically die. Didn't do them any good, it actually killed them. I've seen people die from fasting. <clears throat> True story. Happened when I was in Bible college. People were just astounded. Like, what are we even doing? That's a great question. You're worshiping the devil. Soulish Christianity is the worship of Satan. You're all Satan worshipers. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it was a joke. It was a joke. 
Man, you could feel that though. Like, <laughs> six people turned off Joel's bar at that moment. <laughs> they came back because their spirit has a sense of humor, but the goat don't. Your spirit has joy in it. Your spirit has salvation in it. And your heart and your brain are like, oh God, I don't know, just so much condemnation for the goat, so much condemnation for the calf. Another thing the Spirit of God told me besides pastors are devil worshipers. He told me, Hallelujah. Man, I feel us wrestling some stuff in here tonight. I just released that living water. He said, forgiveness of sins in the house of God is a greater release of living water. Punishment for sins when you're in God's house is more water. Okay? Totally biblical, Luke 15, Father's house. If you're outside the kingdom, which is outside the living water, punishment from sin is sickness, disease, curses, instruments of Satan, thorns in the flesh, a voice of the devil, Paul called it. And it's, if you're outside the water, the devil punishes sin. This is why most of our belief systems in God are so screwed up. It's a belief system of the fallen angels having illegal right to the dust of the earth in the Garden of Eden, according to God the Father's voice which is the legal system of punishing sin by demons. But Jesus rent the veil, so when you go into the house of God, it's a different punishment for sin. You gotta get this tonight. This will completely transform your walk. You'll never have a, de a demon beat you up again in your brain ever again. The punishment for sin in the new covenant is more water washing you. Paul said the same thing. He said that if you have an unbelieving wife, if you have an unbelieving soul, remember, woman represents soul in prophetics, no male or female in Christ, the washing of the water of the word will sanctify her. Sanctification comes only by water according to the New Testament, which means there's no forgiveness of sin there's no actual repentance. There's no kingdom of heaven experience except in the water of life. And the living water punishes false pleasure. Because false pleasure, false religion, everything false of soul and flesh and goat and calf and demon and sin and worldliness is a deception. The punishment for deception is revelation. A feast. God gives your heart food, hidden manna. When you're deceived, when you're pride-filled, and you are, then humility comes as a food substance for your spirit, bringing your brain down into God's goodness in your heart. What did the Bible say? A dog returns to vomit, but God prepares better food. How many of y'all know when you were an unbeliever, you were a dog. That's what Jesus said. Don't give the food from the children's table to dogs. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> you know what dog is? Eating food 
Dog food. Returning to vomit. What's vomit? Temporal things. Teachings of the temporal realm. Political teachings are temporal. They don't exist in the kingdom. It's totally temporal. You need to watch that the content that's going into your spirit and that's going into your heart and that's going into your mind is eternal. I mean, otherwise, it's not even the gospel. The Bible calls the gospel the eternal gospel, which means the words that are going into you have nothing to do with this world that is passing away. How many of y'all know the Bible says the world is passing away? How does it pass away? By people that change their diet from temporal to eternal. We need the eternal gospel. It's shocking. How many Christians have never heard the eternal gospel? And they think they have, but it's pride, it's knowledge. And if you really have, then the joy of the Lord's your strength, and there's a fountain of salvation that you can add under the message to help the leaders of the body of Christ with how much breakthrough you have in the rivers outflowing from your spirit through your crucified hearts and brains. Not as a critical, defensive, pride-filled demon, but as someone slain with him to encourage the word of God and the eternal things of God to come forth in a greater torrent, adding your faith unto the message. The word mixed with faith, your spirit magnifies the word if you already have it working in your hearts. If you heard it before in your head, but it's not an energy in your heart, you've never believed the gospel. People have never believe the gospel until it's an energy. When it's an energy form, that's what the Bible says, superhuman energy that he so mightily enkindles and works within us, which is the gospel I preach, Apostle Paul says in the Bible. If we don't have the energy, we have never believed. Faith is a manifestation of substance. That substance is power. I have not come in of fine speech, etiquette. I have not come with worldly philosophy like the orators of Greece. I haven't come with the, the Athens school of the intellectual. I've come with stupid power. He says, I didn't come with worldly intelligence. I came with dumb power. I came with stupid power. I came as an idiot of the glory. I came like a glory idiot. Yeah. I came like one who relies on the sun, an energy source. I came with energy, is what the apostle says in the Bible. I didn't come with vain philosophy. I did not come with intellectualism. I did not come to you in the soul dimension. I came to you in the glory dimension to slaughter your soul dimension, and they reacted negatively to Paul. They wanted teachers that would allow the soul to remain. And they said, because of it, they have followed the devil. What is following the devil? Any Christianity that allows the heart and mind to remain human is a demonic teaching. The sword of the spirit is for the humanity, the 666, the mark of the animal in the forehead. What's that mark? Self-consciousness. It's the mark that this word is still for me. How many of y'all know it's not for you? The word is for God. The word is for the pleasure and enjoyment of the spirit. 
and you have that spirit in your belly and that spirit helps you get over yourself. You can grow to a place where your eyes are no longer on yourself, where your ears are no longer on yourself, where your senses are no longer on yourself. That's what actual maturity is. We need to eat the eternal gospel until we're totally out of ourself. If I'm out of myself, I'm with God, is what the apostle says. That's the very definition of ecstasy. Why do believers not live in angelic ecstasy? Because they're inside themselves. Selfishness is the definition of your last enemy, the principality, Jezebel. Jezebel is the principality of selfishness. And that's why people don't live in the kingdom of heaven because they have not given themselves and the teaching, even from the prophets, they apply to themselves. And they get a self-interpretation. And it's different. So they'll hear the same words and they don't come with revelation. They don't come with intoxication. They don't come with the marriage clothing, which is the glory and the energy of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is only one. You can easily tell if someone's in the true feast by the slaughter of their soul because it's the same energy. It's called the bright morning star. How many of y'all know? That energy only comes from stars. Basic science level one. Energy comes from stars. Light comes from stars. Life comes from stars. There's no life except from stars in biological life. Photosynthesis, man. It's like an underground mushroom telephone. Bro. And trees can recognize their offspring and they, they'll deny other root systems to give their seeds. They're sentient trees, bro. Excuse me while I humor myself on nature. I don't know why you are judging me because I only believe in science. Glory science is a little different. The creator's belief systems, that's why they got to change the books every year in every school in the world because man really doesn't know anything. The more you know, the less you know. When you really are growing in true knowledge, you're growing in humility of how little you know. That's when you know they've been taught of the devil as a finite speck of dust on earth. They're smarter than God. That's the pride of man. That's how, that's how idiotic pride is. That as a speck of dust, think about the size of your brain in comparison to the earth and the galaxy. The size of the brain is smaller than a speck of dust. And you think in that brain, you're going to know about God who created the universe? That's how arrogant we are. That's how much we block the spirit. Once you get past your brain, it's endless ecstasy in all, all directions. I tell you the truth. We've told you this before. The overcoming of the world is the overcoming of your brain. But the problem is, is you can't overcome the brain except through feeding the spirit and denying knowledge in the brain which means you have to stop eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
in order to be set free from the curse of the fall, which is in the forehead, the Bible says, in the brain, you have to stop eating the knowledge of good and evil. If you keep eating from that tree, it don't matter how many prophets, teachers, evangelists, apostles, or river of life you're around. You'll still be a total wreck and never-ending drama and never-ending mess. You'll never mature and you'll have problems all the days of your life and God has no pity for you because you keep going to the enemy because you're a traitor. You're a traitor. So revelation comes to you so you can stop going to the enemy for the knowledge of good and evil, which means stop feeding your soul. The discipline of becoming a disciple is stop feeding your soul, start feeding your spirit. And if you're feeding your spirit, there's more. The Bible promises if you're hungry, God will fill. If you're thirsty, He'll keep giving living water. He'll keep quenching your thirst. Seeking you will find the cup that overflows, which means there's always more for the spirit. Now the enemy tricks you and says there's more for the soul too. If you can begin to understand soul as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that kills you and spirit as the tree of life that heals you and you begin to renew your mind, when these words come forth, get visions in your forehead. The TV screen of Revelation right in your forehead. These words come forth in visions. Get a vision for quitting the addiction to that tree in the garden. There's a tree of life in the garden of earth. Earth has the tree of life in it again. How many of y'all know the gospel is the tree of life on earth? You can eat as much of the fruit of the tree of life as you can believe the word of God every day. Those who believe the tree of life, those who believe the word of God, they eat the eternal fruit. It's true. So it's word by word, believed and treasured in your heart that you're coming alive. The reason why it's not all at once is because you're totally surrounded with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And people that eat from that tree, believe in that tree, follow the seed line and the patterns of that tree, and that whole world system is Babylon the Great. It's soulishness. And even on the tree of knowledge is all Christianity of the soul. And it's all the same words. You've dealt with false mystics constantly the last 20 years in America. False mystics everywhere. They go up into the second heavens and call it third heavens experiences constantly. Total bewitchment, God outside minded, false mystics everywhere. The difference is soul and spirit. And until you can divide that in yourself, you won't be intelligent enough as angels to discern the food that you're intaking into your body. Amen. You can't even tell the difference until your spirit comes alive by eating from the tree of life, which is the gospel that saves you. And if you keep eating the gospel, born of spirit, born in water, that means guess what feeds your spirit? Woman at the well, Jesus said what would feed her in her new creature would be the well itself. Living water has nutrients in it. It's like smart water. There's life in the water. The sign of life when NASA puts the Hubble telescope out into outer space to discover alien life forms, all they look for is one substance, water. If there's water, guaranteed every time there's going to be life. 
They have yet to find any water anywhere else except on Earth. In millions and hundreds of millions of light years, they've never found water anywhere in the universe except on this planet. It's because the days of Noah killed it everywhere else. It's true. There was life everywhere. God killed the heavens in the days of Noah. Truth in And now the living water is going to recreate it. And the living water will recreate the heavens. The heavens will come alive. The heavens died in the days of Noah. Because of sorcery, witchcraft, the things that they were doing, the fallen angels, the watchers, there was a death. And this is why pyramids and occult tries to go back into those dimensions. Because those dimensions, every place where the floods of Noah went, if you go down in a submarine into the bottom of the ocean, every one of those ancient civilizations had pyramids in it because it was all about sorcery and communication with the fallen angels in the heavens. And so they're trying to do that now. That's why there's a pyramid under $1 bill. It's the same communication with Satan and his angels. And all of that is getting destroyed like it was in the days of Noah. But we're doing it now with real water. Because that was fake. That was fake water. Noah's water was false water. Fake water. Natural water. God said, I'll never do it again with natural water. I'm going to do it this next time with spiritual, supernatural water. It will be a completely different substance. It's the knowledge of the glory, the waters that cover the sea that will come forth in the midst of you through Calvary. And this knowledge is only discernible by the spirit part of you. The soul part of you will confuse it every time. And that's why all of us are still working out our salvation with fear and trembling, getting the confusion out of us of the counterfeits of soul that we apply to God that are not God at all. Remember the curse of the fall? Eve looking at the tree and saying it was beautiful in appearance, applying God to the realm of the natural. Applying God to the soul realm was what caused the fall of man and woman. You have to stop applying divinity to the soul realm. The soul realm is the counterfeit of all things divine. The soul is invisible and the soul is inner. This is where all religion has its core in the deception of man, in man's soul. And when you can get consistent in sacrificing your soul to the waters below the soul in the invisible part of you, the realm of the soul, the realm of the dead, stops influencing your life and your life gets better and becomes an elevator into greater things, abundance, freedom. What's the message, the simple message of Jesus Christ in the Bible? Repentance into the water to be lifted up out of the soul. The highway of holiness where there's no unclean thing is going higher than your soul, which is getting lower than your heart. In this dimension that's backwards, where the senses are upside down, it appears as though you have to go down. But in this dimension where the angel is standing upright, this heart and this brain are the lowest parts of you. Look at it upside down. What connects to the earth is the brain and the heart. What connects to heaven is the spirit in your belly. The spirit in your belly is higher than your heart and mind. You need to turn your thinking upside down because you're upside down by the curse of the fall. This temple is upside down. And to be upright with God is to go into the high place in your spirit, which is 
right side up. So uprightness and walking in right standing with God is going into the depths of the heights of Christ in your spirit. This is where the limitations come off. If you stay in your soul, all the same limitations of a human being still apply to you, even though you believe in Jesus. You believe in God. You have all these stories about Jesus doing these incredible things, the apostles doing them. But until we get out of the soul, into the spirit, it's sealed off from us because we're in the wrong kingdom. Many Christians have not yet entered the kingdom. We have kingdom theology. We have kingdom belief systems. We have kingdom gifts. There's a charisma. There's an aspect, but it's a movement and a progress out of just total dead religion, like dark ages religion, into the reintroduction of grace. Saved by grace, Martin Luther, you know. We're taking steps in the right direction. Then we get into the baptisms, and then we get into Pentecostalism. We get into the charismatic gifts. Then we get into the prophetic in the 80s, and then we get into the apostolic in the 90s. Then we get into the faith of God right now. Then we get into the glory of God. So there is a progress of the leadership of the Holy Ghost, and He's not angry at our level. He's excited to lead us into deeper things. The intensity is the fervent jealousy jealousy of God to save you from Satan and hurting your souls anymore. It's an intensity of love because we're killing ourselves out here with our consciousness and our belief systems in the wrong dimension where God is not. The wrath of God remains on that dimension. Once we go into the realm, the Bible says the wrath of God remains. In the New Covenant, the wrath of God remains in that dimension, in that soul dimension. That's where he's going to annihilate the fallen angels. You don't want to be annihilated with the fallen angels. We're telling you the way how to be saved to come into the living water in your spirit at the sacrifice of your soul. Otherwise, the same exact punishment that's going to come upon Satan as angels will come upon you because you're in his kingdom. How many of y'all know most Christians live in that kingdom and that's when they turn it off? Oh, buddy. Well, what do you think the wilderness is? What do you think the wilderness is? They died in the wilderness. They all believed in Jesus. I mean, that's what it symbolizes. They all became believers. The Red Sea is, I plead the blood of Jesus, bro. They all, the whole nation pleaded the blood of Jesus. The whole nation came out of Egypt physically. It's not enough to just stop physically sinning. There has to be a total purification of the inner man. Otherwise, you're not saved. You're not saved. That's what happened to them. They had a physical deliverance, but since they rejected a spiritual deliverance that required the soul, physical salvation didn't even help them. They would have been better off dying in Egypt than dying in the wilderness and getting eaten by vultures. Do you understand that applies to the new covenant, guys? (laughs) Which means believing in Jesus won't even help you. It'll actually curse you if you don't give your soul. That's why Christians are the poorest, most miserable people, saddest, frustrated people in the world. That the unbelievers are happier, have more joy, have more fruit, have more patience. 
oftentimes have more intelligence and wisdom than Christians because Christians stay in the wilderness of the soul and reject its entire sacrifice in order to enter the promised land, which should only take a few days. Doesn't need to take 20 years. You can grow up in heaven. The Bible says these ones were born in Zion which means there is a maturing as infants in the promised land. The promised land is not for when you're 30. The promised land is for when you're 30 days old. 30 days, more like it. Jesus only in the wilderness 40 days. He's, Jesus is normal Christianity. We apply our own experiences for lack of faith to our belief systems and then come up with theologies of why it's so hard and why I struggle because it's all soulish. And if when you're in that realm, that realm is hell. So you come up with a hellish theology and a hellish doctrine to self-justify your experiences. And it's totally demonic. It has nothing to do with the experience of, of Christ. It's not the testimony of Jesus. It's not Christianity. It's soulishness. It's anti-Christianity. Soulishness is anti-Christianity. And we have all kinds of belief systems through experiences in our soul that we apply towards God. It ain't God at all. It's us. John's baptism. Was it from God? Or was it from man? If it was from man, they picked up stones to kill them because they knew John was a prophet sent from God. You understand that? To be applied as something from man was to be from the devil in Jewish culture. We think, man, oh, that, that's not so bad. It's the same as the devil. It, it represents the soul as the same as the devil's hell, as the kingdom of Satan. The same kingdom of Satan dwells in every believer's heart when they're uncircumcised. Those are the snakes that have to come off the heart when you're born again. What comes off you when you're saved in the wilderness is self. Self is what you're getting saved from now. When you're born again, you're excited about yourself being saved. But if you stay in the salvation of self, in that dimension, you still die. And you'll still have all the same worldly problems. Now it's getting out of the self, a different level of salvation that's beyond self. It's the removal of the foreskin of the heart, the circumcision of the soul, the circumcision of self. You, it's so rare that it's practically unknown in Christianity today. You've seen it amongst hundreds of thousands of believers. They're always talking about the salvation of self, which is the immaturity of still having the foreskin of the world on the soul and not knowing the circumcision of the heart, which means the promised land is completely unknown to over 99% of believers right now. Most of the people that have been around RLM won't even give up their foreskin of their heart, won't even give up their soul. That's why they don't mature and they just stay out there and they just have problems and they struggle and just, you know, they kind of fade away. The reason why they fade away is because they've made a decision to not give their soul to the sword of the Lord. They cling to their life, therefore they forfeit their spirit life. You can't mature then. And so they stay immature out there in babyhood for years and years and years. That's the very definition of wandering in the wilderness. You know why we wander in the wilderness? We refuse 
to sacrifice our souls. <clears throat> and it's applauded in Christian churches everywhere. Oh, let's hear your testimony again, brother. We don't hear the testimony of Jesus at all. The prophetic is practically unknown in babyhood. We want to hear about how self was saved. And we applaud it. We tithe to it. We donate to it. It's such a moving testimony of how self was saved. Well, it's total infancy. There needs to be a complete and total removal of self for the testimony of Jesus. Maturity is hearing how Jesus got formed in this body. In this world we are Jesus, so it's Jesus talking to Jesus is what the Bible describes as Christianity. You say that in the churches, they think you're insane. They'll say, give God the glory. They'll say, you need to worship God. You're worshiping self. You're into leader worship. Well, the leader of Christianity is supposed to be taking over self. But in false Christianity, we've rejected giving our souls to him. This is what's wrong. And this is why we have not come into a maturity that will shake all the external problems because these external problems the believers brought on themselves by refusing to give up them, their souls to the cross. To give up their self-life. When you refuse to give up your self-life, you will always get the serpents as your coverings. That's the guarantee of Scripture. In the New Covenant, if you don't go further than just the regular Red Sea. You get the devil as your government as Christians. As believers in Christ, one who is still immature doesn't have an inheritance, Paul says. Even though he's heir of everything, because of his immaturity, he gets nothing, the Bible says. Which means if you cling to your soul, no promises from God are guaranteed you. None. You can just have a, a terrible time all the time. They usually just go out and they begin to add promises unto themselves. They begin working hard for it, sweat of the brow, self-justifying, self-promoting. They get it because that's all self can do when you refuse to sacrifice it. Because there's two trees in the garden: the development of self or the development of spirit. And it's very rare to find Christians that are developing actual spirit in the stomach here in real new covenant Christianity most of everything you've seen in Babylon the Great up until this point has been it's okay to develop soul yep and that's where we're at that's what we're dealing with and there is a remnant that is sacrificing soul and I think people in the depths of themselves are looking for this and want this but the price is too high for them to pay that's why even when people know what I'm saying is the truth, they can't pay the price for it because they don't understand how to live in spirit. Because all they have is soul, and usually their spouse is so soulish that it's, it, they might get divorced. I mean, there might be consequences, huge, epic consequences for a person becoming an actual disciple of spirit. It, it, it terrorized families. You say, oh, Jesus, has, the Messiah came for peace. He says, I've come to bring a sword, parent against child, child against parent. That's what Jesus Christ said. That this will divide families is what the Messiah said in the Bible. We want some kind of fake soulish thing that will heal the soul. So we go after the devil's gospel instead of the actual gospel that will terrorize the soul that might cost you a lot. It might cost you a lot. It'll get you uncomfortable. 
I mean, look at the rich young ruler. He came in, he's like, I've obeyed all your words since birth, and Jesus loved him. And then he's like, okay, now go sacrifice all of the successive obedience in the soul to have it with me in spirit. For Jesus, the second Adam, is a life-giving spirit. And he went away sad because he could not sacrifice everything in soul that was the goodness of the obedience to the scriptures. You understand, this is what separates disciples from everyone else. And there's a lot less disciples than you think. You got a lot of soulish disciples with a discipline, even a, just a, a boot camp military style Christianity. We're, we're in the word, we're worshiping, we're doing the stuff, we're doing street ministry. And it's like you're, you know, you're a soldier, but it's soul, it's soul. Spirit is so different and the spirit isn't just being a hippie, it's not just being, you know, lazy, it's not just being laid back in the spirit, it's, the spirit is all things. The spirit's not human. You're going into a dimension where it's like spinning what manifestation here in the whirlwind of the heart, it's like a whirlpool, and different things come about all the time. This is why, this represents Elijah and why he couldn't be predicted of where he is and what he's doing, because the soul can't predict the spirit. Jezebel is likened to the soul in the story of Elijah. They were trying to catch him and kill him, which is the soul trying to shut down the spirit. This is the civil war of Christianity in the whole world right now. Soul versus spirit amongst believers only, the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what it's all about. This is how you bring about the floods. This is how the remnant wins. This is how spirit overcomes soul. And it hasn't happened yet. We're in the stages of making that happen right now in this generation. And you guys are called to participate in it. And the spirit has to be out of the control and the thought life of the soul, which means they need to be confused. They need to be hearing and not understanding. Jesus Christ said, I speak to them in parables so they don't understand in soul. So it would go into their spirit and burn their whole soul out. The reason why he spoke in plain speech to his disciples is because he was putting it right into their bellies. He was putting it right into their spirits. But to everyone else that was not a disciple, not called, my father has chosen you, aren't you the 12 that my father has chosen? No one comes to me unless the father yeah. brings them. Because when the father brings them, who's the father? Jesus Christ. John 4.24 said, the spirit. So unless the spirit brings them, that's how he could minister into their spirit. That's the difference between a disciple and 10,000 just getting the external bread for their mouths, for their physical mouths. Those people got it for the soul. The disciples got it in the spirit. The difference is night and day. The difference that you can't even compare how different it is. This is what the remnant has gotten themselves into. The depths of the spirit in the food of the spirit and the constant dividing asunder, that chasm between spirit and soul getting wider and wider every day. And when that chasm gets so wide and it comes to a place where it's over your head, that's when you can no longer be touched by the devil. When you are covered in spirit over your head is the pleading of the blood over the doorposts of, of the Passover lamb so the angel of death can't touch you. Which means the demonic influence goes to zero. And the only influence you have is the Holy Ghost. That's what the promised land is. The promised land is the waters rising 
and crucifying and killing the soul unto the place where it covers the mind. When the mind is covered by your own spirit, where, where Christ dwells, then you'll have safety and security from the foul birds. Until then, it's just continuous influence of the enemy. It's true. How long does the baptism take? The exact measure that you're willing to give your souls to the waters within. Realizing the waters doesn't need to take 30 years. The reason why it takes so long is because we're so full of the world. That's why sometimes, like Jesus, 40-day fast. Maybe just a two-day fast. Just to burn that crap that's dividing and separating your consciousness, your brain, from knowing that there is even water in your belly. Out of your belly flows rivers, the Bible says. Who's experienced the rivers in their bellies? I mean, how many Christians are experiencing out of their belly flows rivers? Normal Christianity, temples of the living waters. How many people? What's in there that we don't know where the source of divinity comes from and why we have not yet drowned this world with the rivers? We've drowned ourselves. We've drowned our little groups. Most people are resistant to these depths of living waters because it annihilates the selfishness of their soul. Most people are still in love with the convenience of the world. They're in, in love with society. They're in love with America. Look at Christians in love with America. And that should mess with half of you because you have I love America written all over you, patriotism. You need to love the kingdom, which is the only way you can actually love America. Loving the kingdom is loving the living waters that's in many ways going to completely destroy America. You know, when people came out and there was a movement, and we don't even need to drop names, but you'll understand what I'm talking about. When it was outside the Luciferian movement of Freemasonry and American politics, and we had the first non-Mason as a president a couple terms ago, they said, this is what the Luciferians said, he is destroying everything. That's what they said. Why? Because when the soul, which is the Luciferian realm of rulership of government, loses control to those that are not of soul, but are born again and born of spirit, and even in the wildness and the freedom like 12-year-old David, you know, technon babies in Christ can do considerable damage to the mature works of the mature Satans and the mature sorcerers. This is how they were so quickly able to just fix all the mess that these little babies in Christ were making everywhere. Little billionaire babies in Christ just making huge messes and damages, not even really understanding the spiritual implications completely of what they're doing to Satan's kingdom. The technon cannot comprehend what Satan is. It's not possible in the soul realm. But the, the Weos understands by the intelligence of the seven spirits of God what the fallen angels are clearly, and it's not confusing, nor is it scary. Because the seven spirits of God is omniscient. He knows everything, the Bible says. He knows everything about every angel. None of this stuff is scary to God, the maker of all angels. Okay, and once you start to get into God more deeply, you begin to understand the solutions to this problem more spiritually, with more wisdom, outside of the soulish mixture. And we need a merry company that will leave the soul realm, because you'll always have that Martha stuff going on out there. We have a billion Marthas. 
It's true. We need 300 Marys. We need people all into the spirit, all God inside minded. People that would sacrifice works. People that would sacrifice all their society and cultural belief systems, all their Americanism, all of it, all of their humanity, your whole entire cultural human nature. To be a real Gideon's 300 is to completely drink that all away. Where you drink your male or female away, you drink your Greek or Hebrew away, you drink your nationality away, you drink your culture away. If you can drink the living water, keep drinking until there's nothing human, earthly, or worldly left in you. That's when you begin to become relevant in spiritual intelligence and an oracle of God speaking the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven plainly as a person full of living water intelligence. Living water is the intelligence of God. Living water is sentient. It's genius. The water is the person of the Holy Spirit, smarter than all the intelligence of man combined. But it's such a different intelligence that the Bible calls it foolishness. These things are a stumbling block to Greeks. Foolishness to Greeks, stumbling blocks to Hebrews, which means the thing in the intelligence of God is foolishness to man. Who will become the fool for Christ's sake? Who will so sacrifice their worldliness for divinity that will cost you big time? It'll cost you, the Bible guarantees, it'll cost you this respectability. It'll cost you all your dignity. It'll cost you your understanding of others. They will not understand because the soul cannot comprehend the things of the spirit. They will feel as if you are attacking them and harming them as you're growing in true divinity. Because the same divinity you're growing in in obedience to the living God in your belly slaughters the soulish animal in the natural dimension. So obedience to God is harmful to the disobedient. The Bible says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It's the fragrance of death to the dying, the fragrance of living, of life to the living. Obedience is a fragrance of death. When your obedience is complete, you'll be swift to punish disobedience. You see how we're trying to destroy the soul realm by an obedience in the spirit realm, in that measure of grace which is love. If you don't understand living water is grace, you'll never understand love. Because love, love of God, divine love, is a more difficult concept to grasp than grace. Grace gets you into the possibility of understanding love. All these infants in Christ that you don't love, they don't have a clue what love is. Love is the highest dimension of divine intelligence, the Bible says. And yet I will show you the most excellent way, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, which is love. The highest realm of divinity, of the highest glory in heaven, which most people don't even live in, is love. Which means animal opinions, animal niceness is usually what they call love. You don't love me because you're not nice to my soul and my animal. You've heard that complaint from demon-possessed people your whole lives. You're not loving because you're not nice 
to my demons. You're not nice to my sin. You're not nice to my soul. You don't put a blanket over my heart. You put a sword through my heart, and the sword is love. So agape love is the cross. The only demonstration of agape ever is Christ crucified. Agape is a cross. It's a tool of death to the animal. The altar of Isaac and Abraham is love. That altars love. It looks like human sacrifice, doesn't it? So for an unbeliever or for a religious person, love, divine love, is truly the enemy. Because it's the enemy of self-love. It's the enemy of kindness and niceness to animals. It's the exact opposite of humanity. And that's why so few ever share in divinity, because they're not willing to sacrifice their interpretation of niceness, kindness, gentleness, and love, which is all fake and false. It's all counterfeit. It's all soulish. You have to be willing to violently attack that counterfeit in order to know agape. Agape is the true measurement of divinity that you're walking in. God is Agape. Amen? God is love. It is written. God is the cross. God is true love. That's the realm of true light. Jesus said false light is everywhere. But now true light has come into the world. They hated the true light because their works were evil. What were their works? They had orphanages. They had huge outreach programs. They were feeding the widows. The Pharisees were taking care of every need of the people. And Jesus Christ said it was totally demonic what they were doing. Oh, you feel it in this place. That divinity of the soul is the Antichrist. It's the Antichrist you're dealing with in Christianity, and we're going to wrestle it out. Let it get wrestled out of your heart. You're going to go into the cross. You're going to know the divinity of God. Those waters are going to rise in you. It's no longer going to be self-based religion. It's going to be living water-based grace. Then we shall truly understand grace. And only through grace will we ever truly understand love. And when we love, we will flood and drown and Kill the animals. Kill the animals. Love will not allow any animal form of image bearing in the soul to remain bird, beast, and reptile, Romans 1. It will not tolerate the persons of the wicked. It will drown the earth with agape, which will be a systematic annihilation of the sinful nature and the mark of the beast. Mark of the beast is marked for slaughter. First, you got to slaughter yourself, sanctify yourself, the Bible says. Be holy as your Father in heaven's holy, which means you need to take this animal into the water and crucify it, drown it, become a disciple in the river, grow in the living water, grow in grace. Understand the enemy is your own heart and not others. It's no one else. If you understand your enemy is your own heart, you'll make progress in self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice is agape. What did Jesus do? Self-sacrifice. What made him the lamb offering? The sacrifice of himself. What makes you Christians? 
the sacrifice of yourself. What are false brethren? Ones who have not sacrificed themselves. And if that's you today, God is asking you to die on the cross with Christ. He's asking you to go and fall on the sword of the Lord. Fall on the word. Those who fall on it are crushed, but on those whom it falls will be grounded, grinded into powder, it is written, and blown away. Which means we need to be crushed daily. 500 pound millstones, you think that's for the wicked, you self-righteous goats? The 500 pound millstones are for us to be annihilated on the word of God. We need the 500 pound millstones. You think the wrath of the lamb is for unbelievers, you self-righteous goats? The wrath of the lamb is for us to annihilate our own pride. I can't know divinity unless I receive wrath in my humanity. Those who have received wrath in their human nature begin to taste of divinity. Like Rick Joyner says in the final quest, the fastest way to grow is to embrace the white throne judgment seat of Christ. The white throne judgment seat of Christ is the wrath of the Lamb. Not for those that disagree with your theological belief systems. Not for the Baptists. Not for the Pentecostals. Not for the occult and the pagans and the New Agers. And the people that watch MTV or some kind of, you know, not for that. The wrath of the Lamb is for believers. The wrath of the Lamb is for us, and we need it, you guys. Our expressions of divinity are still mixed with our humanity. That's what the Holy Ghost wants to remove, the mixture. The mixture of soul and spirit. When the Word of God goes forth, it divides it asunder. It cuts it out. You know, sanctification, the process that all believers on this planet are currently in, will come forth with a greater sword against the soul. We need preaching and teaching against the soul to kill and annihilate it as a wild animal. Passion's translation of 666 calls it the number of the wild beast, which means you'll still have a body, but it won't be wild. It will be tamed and controlled by the river. It's not the destruction of the body. Demons do that. It's the healing of the body by bringing it into obedience to the waters of life. What are the waters of life? It is the rulership of the Word of God. And if it's not in the water, the animal, the flesh, is out there in the devil doing the devil's works in rebellion or religion like the prodigal sons. Going into the Father's house is going into the river. And in the river we eat, in the river we drink. In the river we sanctify, in the river we rise. In the river we find fellowship with real Christians. In the river we find other disciples, for there are many. There are many disciples that love the river, that love the Holy Ghost. And we discover them in the river. There is a body of Christ already in the river. Many people are just looking for this, and when they find it, they'll be like, man, that really resonates with my spirit. Because they're hungry to become disciples of the river. And the river is your teacher, and the river is Christ fully with us, Emmanuel. He is closer than the air you breathe. He has never left you. He has never forsaken you. He is the invisible river. But it requires an understanding. My people perish for lack of understanding the river. 
You can't perish if you understand the river. You thrive. There was a thriving revival in the river in the first coming. In the second coming, we lost it. We lost it for hundreds and 1800, 1900 years. The river of life is a reintroduction to first century Christianity, guys. Do you realize there's almost no mention of the river and river teaching until just like 2000? Like maybe 1994, Toronto outpouring, which was the reintroduction of the river? Truth, anyhow. So we have only had an understanding of the river, even the previous revivals. They didn't teach on the river. They taught on repentance. They taught on the exposure of sin. They taught on holiness, holiness revival. They taught on the gifts of the Spirit. Azusa Street had no revelation of the river. Azusa Street had a revelation of the gifts. It was how Pentecostalism... This is the, the restoration of all things that Jesus Christ brought in His first coming. We've heard of the restoration of all things, of being all things, and that's true. But it's really a restoration to the Messiah. It's a restoration to Christ and His central teaching that was all water, if you read the Bible. John's Gospel, it's a water Gospel. It's a restoration to the original manifestation of the teachings of the red letters. That's why God said, call this ministry the red letter ministry, because you're going to restore them to Christ's actual teachings in the river, not just in theology, not just in doctrine, but into the substance where he trained them in the living water. And it's going to be a real Christianity. We haven't had real Christianity. The river's only been around 30 years. It's true. The understanding of the river in this world has only been reintroduced into Christianity for 30 years. That's nothing. That's like vapor. Which means we are babies in the river, and here's how we're going to change and grow up. We're going to grow in the river. We're going to mature in the river. We're going to learn about the river. We're going to allow the river to be our master. The river is the Lord. How is God with us? He is here as the river of life, the headwaters. The water head that is the waters of life of everyone that drinks them. The Bible says, the Spirit says, come and drink with the bride. The bride are those that have become disciples of the river. No one can lead an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this never-ending revival unless they are disciples in the deep things of the river, the deep river, which means every aspect of life is governed by the river. How are you going to grow in the coming days? You're going to learn how the water brings increase through your souls to govern your souls, your natural man, your soul man, your flesh, your bones, your marrow, your house, everything in the world, everything around the temple. What's the temple? What's the function of the temple, guys? Solomon's temple? To bring government to the external world. Why do you have a body as a temple of the Holy Ghost? To bring government to the world around your bodies. And you can only do that when you're disciples in your inner body of the living water. And that's what we're going to grow in in the coming days. How to become a greater disciple of a greater water. Jesus Christ said this would be his second coming. A return to the living waters that he brought in his first coming. That is the restoration of all things. That's the roots of how everything gets fixed 
in every nation. That's how crime goes to zero. That's how sickness is cured. That's how cancer is cured. That's how the common cold is cured. Every answer to every world problem is in the river. And we need to go deeper. We need to drink deeper. There are areas in your heart that he wants to wash. You know what real maturity looks like? A Grand Canyon. But not just a little, was that the Colorado River flowing through there? You need a binoculars just to see that there's water down there. We got the canyon part right, but it's full of dry air. Now we need the knowledge of the river to fill it all the way up to the top, which is how your body gets filled. The waters rise. The waters are not full at birth. The Bible says it's a down payment of future glory. You got a down payment of water at birth. Now it's up to you if you want to turn up that faucet in your belly and how much of the dry place of self that you fill your heart with and your mind with every day. Jesus Christ said that's what the gospel was, John chapter 4, that I will spring up in you as a spring of the water of life. And that's how you be saved. We're already there in John. I was in John 1. We'll go to John 4. Jesus talks with the Samaritan woman. What does that symbolize? The Spirit is speaking to your soul. She had five husbands, which is five physical senses of the human soul. And Jesus said, the problem is, is your soul is attached to the dry place. The answer is going into the liquid. That spring in your belly. And she did. And Fotini is her name, and she became one of the greatest first century apostles. They actually tried to kill her and chop off her head like John, and the sword bounced off her neck. She got into the invincibility just like John. True story. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees... Here we go. Turn this down here. So you guys can hear clearly. Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. See, it's all about numbers for them. Number. Pharisees love numbers because they're lovers of money. And when they heard that more disciples were going to Jesus than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples, so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Competition, envy, and strife. How many of y'all know you don't have to look any further than the mirror to find a Pharisee? <laughs> Pharisee ain't them. Pharisees, the whole soul dimension is the realm of the Pharisee. Every believer is a Pharisee. It's never them. It's You can die for them, which is release living water. It's true, guys. You get rid of all the hypocrisy when you get into the cross. And it's never on others to change. The water brings order. The water will move things out of the way. The water knocks over trees at times, like at hurricanes. So, I mean, the water can violently move physical things if it doesn't like it, because the water's in charge here, because the water is the person of the Holy Spirit, and the person of the Holy Spirit is the government of God of all the earth. 
So don't think it is just like some movement of water, some wisp. It's a person who's in charge here. And it does mean that some trees just get obliterated. Water destroys trees. Or, if the water likes the tree, it feeds the tree and the tree thrives. That's why we call the Holy Spirit Lord, because he's the water, whether the tree is annihilated with hurricane gust winds, or the tree is well fed and becomes a tree of life, which is a Christian, or a Jesus, a one who's saved. Jesus means one who's saved, Yahweh saves. Amen? Truth in you. Now he had gone through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than her father Jacob? Notice the dimensions here. Critical. This is the dividing of soul and spirit. Jacob is soul. Jacob is their bloodlines. Water in the natural realm. Jacob's well. They're drinking from soulish religion. And it doesn't satisfy the senses. That's the five husbands. She's no longer even with them, which means she's empty, married to six, which is Satan. Well and drank from himself and did his sons and livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Soulish religion. Right? But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Spirit spring. In your belly. You have it already. It's there. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life you understand that's the gospel jesus imparted the gospel into our spirit to begin drinking the living water as a new covenant temple you gotta get it the woman said to him sir give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Keep coming Sunday morning to get filled. He told her, go call your husband and come back. See now, you go into the sin, you go into the soul, you go into the connections to the altars. There's a deliverance here, there's a priesthood work a severing of soul ties. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, 
I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, soul. Jesus replied, believe me. It's all about, do you understand this now? The whole gospel, the kingdom and salvation is all about the false in the soul discovering the true in the spirit. This is the summation of the entire eternal gospel here. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit, which is in the living waters, and in the truth, which is the Word in the water. That's the anchor for the soul. The Logos in the river. Oh, hallelujah, is eternal life. The written word inside the river of life is invincibility. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks that are in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. Notice that the truth used to bring the woman into the spirit was the exposure of the five husbands, was the exposure of the natural water. There had to be an understanding of the soul as the curse of the fall in order for her to appreciate the eternal salvation in a different water, in a different dimension. Because the curse of the fall is being stuck in the soul. And we just bring Christianity into the curse of the fall and we think it's God. But it's not. It's still five senses unsatisfied. It's five husbands and the sixth is not your husband which means it's not even a man it's a freaking devil hello it's a devil 666 it's a devil it's being ruled over by the fallen angels through the five physical senses and it's an exposure of the natural realm to go in and understand salvation is the water in the spirit and then you get thirsty but there has to be a preaching and a teaching and an annihilating and a convicting of the water going forth to expose the soulish it has to bring you to the same point of urgency as the woman at the well. You know who the woman at the well is? Every single soul in the world. All soul is the woman. That's the woman that was the whore of Babylon, married to all the world externalism. The soul turned outward, connected to all the realm of the dead. When she turns inward and is brought down into the water, that's when the kingdom takeover occurs in Revelation. NIV. That's when you know it's getting real. I got the NIV today. One of the seven angels. Hallelujah. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. Revelation 18, he had great authority. And the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She, woman, has become a dwelling for demons. Soul, she has become a haunt for every impure spirit. A haunt, senses, for every unclean bird. A haunt 
for every unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her. Soulishness. The, whole, the Holy Spirit's definition of adultery is soulishness. Because you're married to another. You're not married to the Spirit of God. You're not married to Jesus. Unless you're married to the, the spring. You're in a different water. It's those five senses. It's the woman married to Satan. Religion is the marriage to the devil. Some of you just need to divorce the devil tonight. Straight up truth. Divorce Satan and be married to the spring within. And just do it as an act of humility. Because the Holy Ghost wants to be your husband. If you're not married to the spring of the Holy Ghost, just forget Christianity. You'll never walk in it your whole life. There's no salvation any other place. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, trading in the human soul realm. Soulish Christianity. They committed adultery by living in the soul, in the self-dimension. A false counterfeit expression of Jesus. It, the false gospel, the false Holy Spirit, the false prophet, the beast, all of that is all divinity inside man's soul. That's true adultery. Merchants of the earth grew rich in soulish Christianity. Truth, it's happened already. Christian music industry is a billion dollar industry in America. They've gotten rich in the soul realm. Come out of the soul, her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given, pay her back double for what she has done, pour her a double portion from her own cup, give her as much torment and I see torrent there, and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart, she boasts, I sit enthroned as queen. You understand? This is the soul boasting over the spirit, which is all Christian pride you deal with every day in ministry. Hello! She boasts in her heart. I sit enthroned in my heart. Heart Christians, I am not a widow. I'm a real Christian. I'm a real disciple. I'm in the true prophetic. I will never mourn. I have joy. That's just how I express it. Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, famine. God will destroy the soul dimension of the five senses. And how will he destroy it? with living water. The punishment of the house of God towards sin is not a bad thing. It's the washing of the water of the word and it will destroy the soulishness of Christianity everywhere and it's already begun. Therefore in one day, this day, the day of the Lord, there her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, famine. She will be consumed by fire, which is welcome to the baptism of fire. Souls. It's welcoming believers' souls 
to the baptism of fire. Welcome to actual sanctification of the Messiah. That has been unknown for 1900 years. That's what it means. She will be consumed by fire, reintroduced to the baptism of the Messiah's fire and the annihilating of her five senses. For mighty is the Lord God who judges her. It's a righteous judgment from a righteous judge, also known as sanctification. It's good. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. There's a sadness to the demonic and the sinful soul of losing the soul. My false identity is dying. What I was as the, in my old man, my old woman, is no more. And they always get sad. Always. They always cry. They weep and mourn over the destruction and sanctification of their souls. Even though it's how you get saved. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, Woe, woe to you, great city. I believe this is the unbelievers watching carnal Christians get sanctified. Woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city Babylon. I believe that's the false Christianity, that city that believers carried in their soulishness, and that's why they weep and gnash their teeth at us, and why there's so much persecution when you go against this, this stuff, because that's the city of a counterfeit promised land, a counterfeit Jerusalem. Truly, the soul's paradise instead of the spirits, a counterfeit promised land. In one hour, your doom has come. The mer you know what hour that is? I can hear the Spirit say, tell me what hour it is. It's the hour of the sons of God maturity. The ones that become fully spirit without soulish mixture. And we still have soulish mixture, so that hour has not yet come. We bring that hour. That hour of doom and judgment is simply when you're fully water. And the soulish mixture of the truth and knowledge, good and evil of heart and mind and humanity ain't there anymore. <laughs> Keep making progress. God's just happy you're making progress on the water. Father is thrilled that you'd even be listening to this and acknowledging this is truth right now. You can just, I can see the Father smiling right now. That this is, that you even understand and comprehend these things is a miracle to heaven. These things have been hidden until now to understand the perfecting of the believers. Amen. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple silk, scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood, articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, cargoes of cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, fragrance, wine, oil, flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, carriages, human beings sold as slaves. Soul, you know, fishers of men. Notice that it's like all the soul's inheritance and that slavery of the soul being transferred to the spirit. That's the wealth transfer of the end times. They will say, the fruit you long for is gone from you. All your luxury and splendor have vanished, never to be recovered. The soul will never rule over the spirit ever again. Amen. That's what's prophesied in Enoch. The spirit will take over 
the soul with living water. Your spirit man, the new creature, is Aquaman. A Marvel superhero. <laughs> the merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off. Hirelings. Terrified at her torment, they will weep and mourn and cry out, Woe, woe to you, great city. City is a place of collective thought in prophetics. It's a place where they all believe similar things. It's soulish Christianity, that city Babylon. Amen. Every sea captain and all who travel by ship, the sailors, all who earn their living from the sea, humanity, will stand far off. They will see the smoke of her burning. They will cry explain, was there ever a, ever a city like this great city? They will throw dust on their heads. They'll weep and mourn and cry out, Whoa, whoa, great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour, she's been brought to ruin. Rejoice over her. Which means let your spirit rejoice over your soul. You heavens, rejoice, you people of God. And this is my favorite part. Revelation 18:20. Rejoice, apostles and prophets. For God has judged soul with the judgment she imposed on you, spirit. <laughs> then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, With such violence, the great city Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. The music of harpists, the musicians, pipers, trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No worker of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of the bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. No soulish, shallow relationships. You will never know anyone after the flesh ever again. Never again will there be unequally yoked relationships because everyone will be in spirit form. Oh, that day is coming. We're bringing it. By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. What's magic spell? Soulish. Life in the soul, using human blood. This is what practicing magic is. Magic. In her was found the blood, magic, of prophets and of God's holy people and all who have been slaughtered on the earth. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting. Notice heavens where in the spirit, kingdom of heaven is within you. Luke 17, 21. So heaven's spirit began shouting, rejoicing the victory of spirit. Hallelujah, salvation, glory, power belong to our God for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute of soul who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. Soulish divinity. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants, spiritual prophets, those that reject spiritual realities, those that reject the true gospel, the, those that are persecuted from bringing spirit against soul at the harm and destruction of soul. 
and again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And that's really an imagery of the temple being filled with the glory. When the smoke filled the temple in the Old Testament, it's when the glory came. So the destruction of Saul is the glorification of Saul. No one finds their life unless they lose it. Mm -hmm. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell and worshipped God who was created on the th who was seated on the throne and they cried amen hallelujah then a voice came from the throne saying praise our god all you his servants who fear him both great and small <laughs> then i heard what sounded like a great multitude like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting what's that great multitude the nations coming in to actual Christianity, the great harvest. Once our soul is annihilated in all this, then we get the harvest of all the earth added unto us, guys. That's the promise. Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear, spirit. Fine linen stands for righteous acts, righteousness of spirituality, spiritual acts, spirit acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb, which means the hearing of the gospel, to marry and bury the soul into the living waters of your spirit within you, the innermost being. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns, he has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. <laughs> the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses. Those whose souls follow and obey the Word of God in the waters. Those are the ones on the white horses. Riding white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean, which means glorified spirits, transfigured spirits, ones in whom soul is eaten and spirit has defeated soul, have white linen. Truth in him, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. 
He will rule them with an iron scepter. Iron symbolizes spirit. He will rule them as spirit. He treads the wine press. New wine. Joy. Of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. A time is coming when the Spirit and those who follow and obey the Spirit and the Word in the Spirit will have King of Kings and Lord of Lordship over the soul. That's what Revelation's all about. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, natural light gone, who cried out in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh, so that you may eat the soul. Blot out the noonday sun, and let glory devour all the natural realm by your transfigured white horse spirits, white linen people. Amen. It's a maturity of spirit that devours flesh, blood, kings, generals, mighty horses, riders, flesh of all people, free, slave, great and small. The whole natural realm will be consumed by your spiritual maturity if you keep growing in the knowledge of the living water. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathering together to wage war against the rider of the horse. A new movement against spiritual Christianity. To wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. Joel's army right there. But the beast was captured, flesh, with it the false prophet, soulish spirituality, who had performed signs on its behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. Carnal Christianity, guys. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, destroyed by the transfigured spirit people, the riders on the white horse. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, the word of God, the spirit word, the rhema. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh, angel armies keeping the natural realm down as spirit rules and reigns over it forever. Then you have the total reverse of the curse, and then you have the restoration of all things, and now all life on earth is Eden once again. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, for it. Lord, bless these people in their spirit and bring their souls down into their spirit. Let them discover that well within them in their bellies. Help them grow by the grace to become more God-inside-minded. May there be an overflow and an outpouring of the river through their hearts and minds, convincing their souls of the reality of heaven inside each and every one of them. And let them be persuaded in greater measure to believe this truth. This is a faithful word and testimony about God, it is written. This is a true word of prophecy. Let it grip their minds into a greater liquid glory in their bellies. Let it bring transformation, acceleration. Let it bring ascension to their inner man, rising through their souls, 
the chains and limitations that they put on themselves by agreeing with the enemy break off their hearts and break off their minds and break off their bones and all of the witchcraft of natural rules and regulations of the legal systems of the devils be all washed out of their bodies and let the new creature rise up as divine royalty within with that royal crown upon their heads as overcomers of the end times let them overcome everything in their hearts by the gospel and by the power of the Holy Spirit in the spring of the water of life in each and every one of their bellies in Jesus name I pray amen bless you guys love you give an offering click the links in the description and we'll see you Tuesday in Jesus name amen <laughs> <laughs> Glory.
image you are us by the mama face. I'm on my face. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Whom you have to praise. Walking down the face as I'm running down the street. I'm on my face. Watch me. 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 Watch